This is episode 312 of the Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase will take a look at Gretel and Hansel, as well as go over the week in movie news and movie trailers. All that and more, this episode starts right now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Chase Lee, and if uh, this is your uh, first time listening to the podcast and you're brand new to this entire experience and you just want to hear people talk about movies, I think you hit the right place, and I'm glad you took a chance on us, and I think you'll enjoy yourself all the way uh, until the very end, and hopefully you can come back the following week. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We always appreciate you guys. This is episode 312, as stated at the top. I am by myself again today, and I will explain why in just a bit, but I will be going over Gretel and Hansel, the new film from Orion Pictures. Yes, that Orion Pictures, so I felt I felt like when I was watching the movie that um, it was like 1986 or something, so... Uh, that's just how uh, that, that's how old that company is. But yes, from Orion Pictures, uh, stars Sophia Lillis, um, directed by uh, Osgood Perkins. Should be a fun time to talk about. And then of course, I'll go over the one trailer that dropped this week, the very absurd trailer that dropped this week. And then uh, I got one little piece of movie news, and then um, I'll wrap up the episode. Okay, so if you are new to the show, um, typically I have a co-host, uh, Joel Copley, and... Yeah, so last week he messaged me about the the Skype problem. Just didn't really feel like we should do it because of how many times the call drops and everything. I was like, I totally get it. And um, I just don't know if it's my internet. I I don't know what it is. Uh, I I can never tell what it is, even though the connection seems to be good. The updates are there. I don't know what happened. So he decided to opt out last week. And so we talked about it for a good 30 minutes this morning before we wanted to start this episode, but he just felt like it just, the calls dropping and all that, um, it's just, he doesn't want to do that to you guys. And I respect that decision because I, uh, I just like him, I respect you guys and I want to make sure you guys get the, the cleanest, uh, best episode you could possibly get each week, no matter what we're rev- we are reviewing. So he just felt like he had to opt out. The difference is he wants to opt out for a long time. So Joel's going on a hiatus. I don't know how long. It could be several weeks, several months. Um, but we have to figure this out uh, for you guys. I don't know what to do. I am a bit lost when it comes to this stuff. The only reason I use uh, Spreaker as my dashboard and recording system is because I've got 10 years free on that thing. And that's a lot of money to be saved. And so... The only thing that it connects to is Skype. It might be just Skype. And if we just drop that, we could just fix all of our problems. But I I don't know what else to use. I don't know if there's any Spreaker hacks or tricks or whatever. If you guys know, please let me know down below. Um, I am, uh, like I said, I'm just a lost child, um, just like Gretel and Hansel. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do. So unfortunately, Joel will be on a hiatus uh, for a long period of time. Don't know when uh, he'll come back, but we will figure it out. You know, I got a better job now, and you know, when he gets a better job, maybe we'll look into the the studio kind of rental space, and we can do that each week. And hopefully, it won't be too much um, money wise. But I'm not I'm not scared to drop any money uh, on the show for you guys because I've, I've always wanted to improve it and upgrade it as much as I can. Uh, so I'm willing to, to kind of 
you know, choose those battles and go for it. But for right now, Joel will be on a hiatus. Um, so I apologize. Uh, he apologizes. It's just, I don't know what to do guys. Um, yeah, you know that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll have to figure it out though. So I don't know, uh, if it's a computer thing, connection thing, I just, uh, I, I can never tell because it always looks good on both of our ends and then it just, the Skype just drops our call. So who knows, but definite hiatus for Joel, but he will be back and we will record a separate episode, um, pertaining to the best films of last decade. And so we'll have our top tens ready to go. I wrote them all down this week cause I was prepared to do the 10 through six like he wanted to do. And, um, I got it written down and so we're, we're ready to go. So we'll record the episode and it'll be like a special extra episode that will drop at some point but you guys will get that. Joel will be on for that one. And um, once we get this figured out, he'll be back um, permanently. So, but he's, he's, he's not kicked off or the show or anything. He's still the co-host and I'm still by myself, um, you know, doing this, but he, he is still the, um, the partner in crime that I do this with. So uh, Joel will be missed, uh, but he, his words were to just keep it going and we will figure this out. But hiatus from Mr. Copeland. Um, Yes, uh, I, so I will be going to Gregor Hansel, a trailer and a piece of news, and then we'll wrap this up. So it'll be another short episode for sure, but uh, I'll try to pad it out as much as possible like Gretel and Hansel did. Um, that is a little inside joke for people that have seen the movie. So, <laughs> But we'll get to that review um, uh, right up the off the top here, but I just want to let you guys know what I've been watching throughout the week in case if um, there's anything I, I could recommend to you guys. So, uh, typical shows that we watch, you know, The Outsider, Avenue 5, I highly recommend both of those, The Stephen King Show, and then the show from the creator of Veep, HBO, check them out, love them both. So, the new things that we watched this week, uh, that's not The Bachelor, um, yes, that is one of the shows <laughs> The Misses and I watch, uh, I also watch This Is Us, um, and a couple more reality shows, but the the brand new things that I watched, we watched, um... The Curse of La Llorona, uh, HBO put it on their platform this this past week, and so we gave it a shot, and guys, I don't know what it is with these movies and these spinoffs, but The Nun was like the first one where I just absolutely hated, and with this one, I'm just getting sick and tired of them, to be quite frank with you. I'm excited for The Conjuring 3 just because I like it when it's those films. Um, we focus on Ed and Lorraine Warren and the, the people that they're trying to helping, trying to help I'm, guys, my brain's all over the place, but with these spinoffs with like the nun and this, and they want to do the crooked man and the Annabelle films. I've only seen Annabelle two, the creation, which is, I actually liked, um, cause it, it had a different director, but I don't know, man, there's just something about them to where it just seems very tiresome. It's repeating the same stuff over and over again. There's really not much story. It's just a bunch of setups for some jump scares and some creepy imagery, I I don't know. I just once I watched that, I was like, I'm kind of done with these films. Now I want to watch Conjuring Three when it comes out later this year, but unless it's a Conjuring film, I really don't care. So I like Linda Cardellini. I um, you know, some of the imagery is creepy with the practical effects and makeup, but that's not enough to justify an entire watch or recommend it for you all. So if you haven't seen it in you don't really care about the Conjuring universe, then yeah, then go ahead and just skip it. If you were interested because it is attached to the Conjuring universe, 
still go ahead and skip it. I honestly don't think this movie is going to make a difference in enhancing your conjuring universe experience or expansion of the lore. It just, yeah, I'm, I'm done with them. I'm done with them. Um, the other thing that we watched was the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix, Miss Americana. That one was, it was fine. It's typical documentary on a pop star or any type of celebrity. We get to see where they came from. Kids see some of the struggles that they've gone through in their career, some of the highs, the lows. It, yeah, it was fine. Uh, it did open up a little bit more in terms of, you know, what she's feeling in terms of just pure raw emotion. And I was able to connect to her on a couple of different things where I was like, that was unexpected. You know, the public perceives you a certain way and you see them um, really kind of pour their heart out. Your mind can be altered uh, a little bit. And I like that. I like the fact that she was able to... um be more relaxed and kind of be herself and reveal some of the inner turmoil that she has uh, on a daily basis. And I, I like that. It makes her more human. Because uh, uh, I, I, I got to be honest with you, before I met the missus, you know, I never listened to her music or followed her or whatever. And all I knew, knew about was her dating everyone under the sun. Uh, but this documentary, got to I got to see a different light of her, a uh, different side of her, and I I appreciate that. But yeah, it was fine. There's nothing special. But Miss Americana on Netflix, check it out. Uh, also, forgot about it. We watched The Good Place series finale yesterday. Guys, that's that's a perfect finale. I love it. Um, I love Michael Schur, uh in terms of his shows, you know, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, this. Uh, and he wasn't the creator of The Office, American version, but he was heavily involved in it. So this guy has just been doing great things um, for his entire career, and I absolutely loved the finale of a good, the Good Place. It ended where it needed to end. I didn't want it to go on anymore. As much as I love that show, it ended in a perfect place. It was sad. It was touching. It was funny. It was everything I could ever want about something that deals with the afterlife in a comical way, but also very possible, realistic way. Like it's it's interesting. Some of the I ideas that they throw in there and really explore uh, with the afterlife or the afterlife beyond the afterlife. It It's really fun stuff. And I think this show will find a bigger, even a bigger audience as it just continues to mature like a fine wine. Someone's going to get across it and they're going to want to write thesis papers on it. I'm telling you, it's just that good. And I thought the finale was just... It's perfect. And so we watched the Good good Place finale. Uh, and I think that was it movie-wise in terms of like catching up just throughout the week. Um, I do have like the next two weeks off basically. So <laughs> I might watch uh, a lot of movies. So you might you guys might get a lot of um, little mini reviews at the top of each episode. But I'll, I'll have some time. I might squeeze in some stuff that I haven't seen or need to catch up on. So there is that. So speaking of the movie at hand, Gretel and Hansel comes to us from Orion Pictures, directed by Osgood Perkins, also known as Oz Perkins, and just finding this out this morning, that he is the son of Anthony Perkins. Yes, that Anthony Perkins from Psycho, that is awesome. Um, so yes, uh, it tells the the story of Hansel and Gretel, but the, you know the names are reversed, uh, you have Gretel and Hansel living with their mom in the countryside. They live by themselves. It seems like there's not a lot of people around them. And they need food. They need work. And so 
Gretel takes it upon herself after having a conversation with her mother to take Hansel, her little brother, and they go into the woods searching for those two things to keep their family afloat. They come across his house. Uh, Hansel sees that there is a bountiful spread of food on the table in this house. He goes in, sneaks in, um, gets some food, and a woman that named Holda, who lives there, is like, listen, if you're going to eat this, you're, you need to um, work for me. You need to earn this food. So he take, or she takes them in, uh, feeds them, shelters them, clothes them, does all that, but Gretel senses that there's something wrong. She has night terrors. She wakes up in the middle of the night. She sees children. She sees other people, and she's like, something is wrong with this house. It's off. Um, there's a lot of, it seems like, a lot of spiritual activity happening. So before the um, the owner of the house um, gets to them and does stuff to them, she's trying to get them out of there uh, so they can just you know go back to home and uh, be safe once again. And if you've never uh, read the Hansel and Gretel story, you know very famous story I, I read growing up. The trail of breadcrumbs that Hansel leaves so they don't get lost in the woods. Um, but if you don't know the end of the story like the very, very end of the, the dark secrets that this person is, you know, obtaining in this house, then I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it clean from this point. Uh, that way, if you guys want to go in blind, uh, I don't spoil anything for you. So that is the, the basic story of this movie. Before I get into my actual review, this, this might sway your opinion on the movie. Um, I have no clue, but I thought it was interesting. So there was about 20 people in the theater. Uh, you know, with Thursday night movies, it kind of depends. If it's a movie like this, that's probably the, the right amount of people to see it in that particular theater and probably across the country. But if it's a bigger movie like a Star Wars or Avengers, the Thursday night previews are going to be a little bit more packed, uh, just a little bit. Uh, and so they'll have a, a bigger kind of feedback and bigger box office revenue, all that stuff. But this was a smaller film. 20 people is about what I expected. There was about 20, 30 minutes left uh, before the movie was over. And I was at one of those uh, theaters, you know, Studio Movie Girl, where they drop the check off uh, about 30, 40 minutes before the movie ends so you can pay. That way, when the movie ends, you can just leave. So when they drop those checks off, it gives my brain the signal that this movie's almost over. We're about to enter the third act, or we're, we might be in the third act, and we're towards the you know finish line of the, um, the movie. When checks were dropped off, four people left. And I, I knew it was going to happen because within 20 minutes into the movie, I was like, this movie is going against the grain. It is going against the mainstream um, horror film. This is not Truth or Dare or, you know, Annabelle Comes Home where those bring in a mass amount of audience uh, because they have a familiar style. People like that style. This is more of a slow burn. This is more atmospheric. This is like something like The Witch, where The Witch actually did pretty well uh, in terms of mainstream, which is shocking, but it's more along the lines of that type of horror film, and it takes its time. And I know a lot of people do not have the patience to sit through something like that. its I don't think it's anyone's fault. That's just the majority of people that see movies they want something fast-paced they want something you know jump scare every 10 minutes and if that's your preference that is your preference 
But as soon as those people walked out, I was like, that doesn't surprise me. So a fifth of my theater left um, before the movie was even over. And I have a feeling that might play out across the rest of the country. I think a lot of people will go in expecting, um, speaking of the Conjuring films, like a Conjuring-like movie, they're going to get something completely different. And before I get into my review, I will say this. I appreciate Orion for releasing something like this. It is not easy to do, knowing that your film is so radically different than what people are used to. You're taking a chance on that. You're throwing it in theaters and you're like, listen, I hope this works. I hope people accept it. There's going to be a lot of people that go against it. But I appreciate the confidence in releasing something like this to the public, especially on a mass level like this. So I love that. I love when horror films that are different and weird can um, get in there and be in front of a lot of different eyes, even if they're not received 100% in a positive light. So I just want to start off by saying that. And two, uh, just this is just a little fun thing. I cannot believe they got away with the PG-13 rating. Uh, this was about as dark and disturbing as I thought it was going to be. There was some imagery that I was like, oh, wow, you can actually show that in a PG-13 movie? So good for them for pushing the boundaries. And uh, I'm surprised they got away with that rating. I thought it was going to be hard, a hard R just from the kind of um, grim and gritty, realistic take they were going to take on this fairy tale. So, you know, there's that. So here's my review of the film, because when I saw the trailer to this film, I was excited. I told you guys, like, it looked like the witch, slow burn, psychological horror that gets under the skin, gets into the root of your brain's, like, just, uh, system, and it just, it permeates, like, a spot there, and, like, it just, it seeps into your, your lobe, and you, you think about it for days on end, even after you see it. It's just that type of effect that the movie's going to have. It's uh, that slow burn psychological effect. When I got out of the movie, it kind of disappoints me to say that this movie is literally a split down the middle. So you already know which grade I'm going to give it. It's a split down the middle. There's so many great things about it, but then so many things that are just left you know, to the side, forgotten about, not explored enough. And it just sinks the movie. Is this a movie I would recommend? No. Is this a movie that's awful? No. But it is straight down the middle to where I'm like, you can take your pick in terms of if you want to see it or not. I'm kind of neutral to it. But let me explain myself as to why this movie has a lot of great things, a lot of bad things going for it. So the the, the pros... The cinematography is gorgeous. It really utilizes the the loneliness and isolation of the woods. It gives off this creepy vibe, this unsettling, eerie atmosphere to the film that really just enhances this creepy, creepy fairy tale, especially if you've ever read it and you know how it ends. It sets the mood. It sets the tone that you know Perkins was going for, and they delivered that in spades. The certain colors are saturated and pop out more than others. The lighting is harsh. It, um, you know, uh, uh, provides this extra layering to the cinematography with its colors. Like it just, it shot super, super well. And even if I checked out from the story a couple times, I was able to look at this visually 
and just be in awe by the the visual eye candy that I was absorbing, and I got into it in that regard. The second thing, uh, well, it's a twofer. The production design, the costume design, fantastic, killer stuff going on here. The costuming really kind of setting the period that it's in. Um, the production design of like this this person's house or even their mom's house, it's wonderful. It just it looks like a um, like a villain cartoon layer of some sorts, but it still looks like applicable to real life. I, I don't know. It's kind of playing with that fiction, nonfiction blend a little bit, but it's really just adding that extra layering to the atmosphere that they create for it and making this like gothic horror um, type of feeling. The production design is great, especially with the house that they go to and each floor of the house is different and like the further you go down the worse and decrepit it gets like it's just it's really well done and just stuff that like it's unsettling to look at because you're like man this this house is really there's something off about it um and you definitely can tell by the end of it but yeah production and costume design killer stuff going on here so and one last kind of like thing before like i segue into the the cons is that I don't mind slow burn horror. I really don't. Um, I sat there and watched The Witch, and I was amazed by it. The Lighthouse from last year, I was amazed by it. Um, Because there was something to be said about the stories, the characters, the implications of maybe possible thematic routes you can go with, like philosophically. There was stuff to make your brain work and be like, this is a really engaging movie. So I don't mind the slow burn effect. And this movie takes that approach. I respect that approach. It lets you absorb what you're watching at a a slower rate. And you're able to kind of process it in real time. And, you know, I I, I like that. It's not too fast and quick and it gets over with, even though this movie is 87 minutes. And it's not so, or I'll take that back. Let me explain myself. when, When the movie started, I was I was on board. I was on board with the route they were going. It was very abnormal. It was weird, and uh, I like that type of stuff. So let me bleed into the the cons. The pacing is a problem, and I think when you look at the style that they're going for and the route they are going with the, with this movie, it makes sense to be at this pace. But the problem is you don't really care about the story, the characters the mythos, the the pathos of anything. It's just, it's a bare bones story, which I don't mind, but they try to spruce it up with some extra things with Gretel's character. They don't explore it. So it's just, it's just kind of at a coasting speed, not really doing anything different with the story. And it's just kind of, it's just there. And so there are several parts where you feel like it's just dragging you so much that, there's no way that this is 87 minutes. It feels like it's two and a half hours. There are certain sequences to where you could cut sooner. You have people walking in the woods or people exploring the house. And, you know, it lingers on and they're doing their thing. But it just seems like there are certain parts that you could cut down. But that also leads into the problem that they were going, uh, that they had from the beginning of this film. This film is padded out. It is stretched out to an 87-minute runtime, and it shows. They're letting shots go on for longer than they should. 
stretching out this story as long as they could to not even hit an hour and a half. Minus the credits, you're looking at an hour and 20. Like it's barely over, you know, feature feature length. I know feature length is over anything over 60 minutes, but we're talking theatrical releases. Most of them are roughly an hour 20, hour and a half, and that's bare minimum. But this movie is the bare minimum, and when you're stretching out that story and all that as much as you can, and you make it into the slower pace because it is the the aesthetic, you know, I can sense that. I can I can be like, uh, this doesn't feel like it needs to be this long. I mean, that's why our brain was like, there's a reason why it's slower pace. They're trying to stretch it out as much as they can, and that's an issue because you don't really care about anything that's going on. And they don't make any they they don't make any advancements into the the new stuff that they put in there to explore or even have us care about. It's just it was just there to throw in and make it different, but it didn't do anything to enhance the story because of the the time length and the pacing. And so to go go to the story and the the characters once again, there's just nothing to care about. And unfortunately, when Gretel and Hansel get to the house, and you know the route that the movie's going to go because you've read the story. You're like, okay, like I know what the end game is, but like what's the middle portion of this film gonna look like? What are the the sequences that build up to it? And just for me personally, I didn't really care one bit. This is a movie that relies on creating that atmosphere and that mood over its story or its characters or even philosophical questions they want to bring up. It does none of that. It does one slight change for Gretel, and even when she starts getting slightly interesting with her change, the movie ends. And so they're trying to set it's it was sequel baiting. They tried to set it up for a sequel and it was kind of annoying that they did it that way. But yeah, I just uh, I don't know, man. It was just <laughs> it was just so weird how it just unengaging the actual meat of the the movie is, which is the story. It was just it was kind of impressive. A uh, couple more things. Um well, I I forgot to mention in the pros. Um I like the the sound design and the music, I, I thought, you know, it is what it is. It's definitely not something that sunk the movie, but I forgot to bring that up. A couple things I would like to uh, bring up before I end the review, the acting and the voiceover. So the acting all across the board was fine. Like it was so weird. Everyone was like on the same wavelength. Even the person, uh, Holda, who was in, uh, who owned the house that they went to, even with, that character, which you figure like maybe they'd be a little terrifying and villainous and really kind of sink their teeth into the role. I never felt that everyone was just kind of coasting, saying their lines, doing their thing. There was just nothing to the performances that enhanced the material. So they were just on the same wavelength as the story. It was just, it was weird. Um, I know people are saying Sophia, Sophia Lillis and uh, I think Samuel Leaky Lackey, uh, the young gentleman who plays Hansel, they're the title characters and they were just fine. I just, uh, I, I don't know. And the last thing I'll say is the voiceover work. Totally unnecessary. It feels like an afterthought. It feels like the filmmakers are like, I don't think they're going to, you know, get the, the reasoning behind this or the, the story points here. So we have to tell them through voiceover. And it, it just, you could hear Sophia, her voice in the voiceover just sounds really tired and it's like, oh, I was brought back to do this type of deal. Like she didn't even seem like she wanted to do it. It just totally unnecessary, really kind of just talking, I think down to the audience 
in terms of like what the characters were feeling. And if you would have applied that to better writing to have us sense their feelings and their inner turmoils through performance, then you wouldn't need the voiceover and that would have fixed your problem. You could have easily axed that out if you would have got better performance and better um, execution of the story and its characters. So guys, I don't know what else to say. It's, you know, it is what it is. There's a lot of great things about it. There's a lot of bad things about it. I'm going to give it a C. It goes right down the middle. And guess what? I talked to Joel about it. He feels the exact same way. So our friend Mark um, thought the opposite, where he thought the mood and the atmosphere was enough to carry the bare bones story to the finish line. And he, he liked it a little bit more than us. But Joel and I were on the same page with this one. So let us know down below. Or tweet at us, shout at us um, what you thought of Gretel and Hansel. It was just okay. <laughs> so that is the review of that. There's really, um, Joel's even said that he didn't have any extra reviews um, for this week because we were going to go over uh, 10 through 6 of the top 10 films of the decade and then do 5 through 1 next week. But we're going to do that in a separate one. So I'll hold off on to that. So I have one trailer um, to talk about. And that would be F9, The Fast Saga. Uh, I cannot believe when I was 11 years old and the first one came out and it was about street racing and family um, that we would be up to number nine. <laughs> but hey, listen, when you add The Rock to number five and it makes a lot of money, six made a lot of money, um, seven, you know, Death of Paul Walker and all that stuff that pushed it to a billion. Number eight made a billion. So, of course, they're going to keep this going. This is the cash cow that Universal loves to pull the teat on and just milk it as much as they can. I think they might be done after 10, to be honest with you, because they say they're going to go up to 10. I just can't see them go past 10. But then again, it's Fast and the Furious. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the Fast Saga. And they kind of just bat, you know, uh, bat crap insane crazy and everything is just i i don't know man i don't know how far they're gonna go but um it'll be fascinating to see but we got our first trailer for f9 the fast saga yeah it's insane uh you know it's actually more insane than the hobbs and shaw trailer that i reviewed for you guys we have cars jumping off cliffs uh with hooks um, hooking onto the tire and they're swinging as if they're Tarzan uh, in the jungle. Like it's, <laughs> it's just crazy, man. It even cuts to a shot with Vin Diesel and um, Michelle Rodriguez, and even they look like, really, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> um, there's rockets on the cars now. This is not the Fast and Furious that um, started out the franchise. It's just crazy to see where it has evolved to. They just don't care about logic or physics anymore. Um, John Cena's in this and I'm not going to reveal to you what he is in the trailer because they kind of spoiled a lot of stuff. Even some of the giant set pieces, I'm just going to say I'm going to be their opening <laughs> weekend and uh, I'm going to support it. Now, Joel was on the show today. He would tell you guys that this is, um, not his bag. He doesn't like the franchise and that's okay. Um, he, he would be crying, um, knowing that I, I'm going to give this movie money and go see it. Um, cause he does not want that for, for us. He, he knows that my brain is very fragile. I only have like one and a half brain cells left and he just feels, this is why, this is why he's emotional about it. He, he just feels that F9, the fast saga will be the breaking point for my brain and it will wipe out the remaining brain cells that I have. And so that's why he's just worried. Um, I, I totally get his concern, but 
yeah, it, it's a it's a Fast and the Furious trailer. What do you expect? It's crazy. It's insane. Um, cars are flipping into each other, um, using them as weapons now and like blocking tools. It's just it's one hundred percent wild. And like I said, I'll be there opening weekend. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'm excited to see it. Uh, so uh, someone made a great point on Twitter. Twitter, they're like, if they don't go to space in this one, I'm not watching it. And I'm like, you know what? They do need to go to space. Uh, maybe for the tenth one, they'll uh, fight in uh, uh, zero gravity um, situations. That'd be funny. So, yeah, that's the only major trailer that dropped. There were some uh, Super Bowl trailer spots that dropped as well with uh, a Quiet Place Two, Sonic the Hedgehog. So it seems like Paramount's really going in on the uh, Super Bowl opportunity. I think Mulan will probably drop a trailer, and that may be it. I mean it. It just seems like to me the Super Bowl is not worth it anymore. I think it's like, what was it, five or six million dollars for a 30 second spot? It's just, you can throw it on YouTube, get millions and millions of hits, and it's not going to cost them anything. Um, so I, I, I don't know um, if other studios are going to jump in on the Super Bowl kind of hype, but I know uh, Paramount and Disney will probably be maybe the only ones that do it. Um, Maybe Disney Plus will have something on the Marvel shows or maybe even a, a slight teaser for The Mandalorian Season 2. Who knows? But, um, yeah, that's that's all I predict. It, usually when it's Super Bowl week, guys, they studios will stay clear of dropping anything big. Um, but Universal is like, yeah, we've had a lot of bombs recently with Cats and uh, uh, Black Christmas. And what else did they have? Cats, Black Christmas. Oh, Doolittle. And so with 1917 being the only exception, they've had a lot of misfires lately. So maybe they're they're like, we got we got to jump on this as fast as we can, uh, pun intended. And they even have the tickets on sale now, which is extremely early for it. So that's funny. Um, yeah, it's good, good for them. So that's it for the trailers this week. And the only piece of news I wanted to talk about with you guys is that the WGA Awards were last night. Um, the Writers Guild Association the two big ones that we're going to talk about because this is a movie podcast um, because a lot of HBO shows one is adapted screenplay and original screenplay. Now, will this factor into the Oscars? I don't know. We will speculate right now. Uh, The adapted winner was Jojo Rabbit. So Taika Waititi won for that movie for adapted and original uh, was Parasite. So Bong Joon-ho and um, hold on. Give me a second forgot his co-writer's name but i am i am a professional and i will say both of their names bong joon ho and uh jim wan han uh they are the uh two gentlemen that wrote parasite so they won for original now what does this mean for the oscars okay so i'm trying to pull up the Oscar should have did that before I recorded. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, da, 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 da. man, I just don't. Nothing is easy to search for online. By the way, you try to search for something and it just takes you to like five different websites. And I'm sure some of you are like, really? No, it's not. It's not that hard. So for screenplay, where are you at? So for original screenplay, they have Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Han Jim Wan and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Uh, 
Ryan Johnson for Knives Out, and then uh, uh, Christy Wilson um, Carnes and Sam Mendez for 1917. <sighs> Since Parasite won it, I wouldn't be surprised if it wins it, uh, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if it wins or if uh, Noah wins for Marriage Story. So now that Parasite has the edge from the actual Writers Guild of winning their award, it's very possible that um, Bong and Jin... Uh, or Bong and Hans, excuse me, are going to win for original. And that's super awesome. I'm hoping Parasite sweeps it <laughs> and wins like screenplay, director, editing, and best picture and production design. Holy crap, that would be amazing. Um, so it seems like it's going to be between those two now, and I would be totally fine with that. I, I know the Academy loves Quentin, and Joel has always vouched for Quentin, uh, probably maybe winning this award, but it's just... I don't know, man. Um, he's already won it uh, twice, and I just really can't see him getting it a third time. Maybe I'll give it to him on his 10th film, but for right now, I think it's between Bong and Han for Parasite and uh, Noah for uh, Mary Story, but Parasite has the upper hand now. So best adapted, we have Taika for JoJo. We have Greta Gerwig for Little Women. Steve Zalian for The Irishman. Todd Phillips for Joker uh, and Scott Silver. And Anthony McCartan for the two popes. I think this is going to be between um, Greta Gerwig and Taika. Uh, if I if I had to pick now, now Taika has the upper hand because he won the WGA. Doesn't really mean anything, but gives us a slight indication on how the voters are kind of looking at films. And Taika might win this, and I wouldn't be surprised if ScarJo won for supporting. So it might be that's the only two that this film wins. It might upset and be a Best Picture winner, but it seems like screenplay and maybe supporting actress is what they're going to win. But then I actually think that Greta Gerwig is just right behind him. And I think she might have a swell of support since the film isn't really going to do anything else uh, in terms of uh, awards. I think they might give Greta a little women. I could also see... I was going to say Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, but I don't think so. Uh, it might win in other categories. I just don't think a screenplay is one of them. Steve Zalian might have a that dark horse shot. And then Anthony McCartan, uh, no. <laughs> so uh, Taika and Greta are probably the two, two, and Taika's got the upper hand. So either one of them, I'm cool with. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that was it for the news, guys. Kind of a, a short news week and short uh, episode once again. And this will be this way for quite some time because we will... I'll be missing Joseph. I will be missing him. I don't like doing these by myself. I try to keep it as entertaining and as, you know, energetic as possible. But, uh, yeah, it's really hard to do it by yourself. And I did it for several years. <laughs> but when you have a, a co-host for, for so long and you have to go back to your original ways, it can get a little rusty. And I, I feel rusty. I, I feel like this was also, I feel like this was a failure episode. I feel like last week was a failure episode only because I was by myself. Cause I miss, you know, my partner in crime and he's, he's the the brains and he he keeps the conversation more interesting uh i know that my dissection of films is not as intensive as his but i I try to do my best and so please bear with me as it will just be me for quite some time um yeah we'll just keep on keep on keeping on until we can figure it out how to bring joel back um because he he is not 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 the co-host um we just have to figure it out and he will he will be there so 
That is it for episode 312. That was Gretel and Hansel as the main review and, of course, all the extra goodies that you got along with it. Next week for 313, we'll, uh, I will be going over Birds of Prey. Uh, excuse me. Guys, that, that was really rude to me. Joel has always told me, you call it by its full title, and, and I don't want to hear any ifs, ands, or buts. And you know what? He's absolutely correct. So, uh, it, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's the last time I'll call it that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really like that title. Um, I'm cool with just calling it Birds of Prey, but I did that for Joel. Um, so, yeah, that will be next week. I see it on Thursday. So, you guys will get um, possibly the podcast on Friday. Uh, yeah, because um, since I'm by myself, um, I'll just pretty much do it, you know, uh, whenever I see the movies and I've had a day to think about it and everything. So Friday is probably when I'll drop it. So that will be episode 313. You will get a mini review of come to daddy. No, it's not that type of film. Um, so I'm hoping you listen to the review on high blast with no headphones and there's other people in your house. That way, when I say come to daddy, uh, they're like, Oh my God, are you, are you, are you watching that in the house? <laughs> Uh, and you know, you tell them no. It's not the type of movie. It's a film starring Elijah Wood. It's a genre film. You guys will get that review on Monday, February third. So check that out. And then, of course, the Birds of Prey episode probably on Friday. But that will do it for this week's episode, guys. I am Chase Lee. Joel is over there. Uh, he is over there. I will always mention him. And uh, I will see you uh, next week for another episode of Real Me and Cole, a movie podcast. If you guys want to follow. Uh, that on Twitter, it's at Real Me and Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Real Chase Lee. I will be live tweeting from the Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast Twitter page for the Oscars. So please, please, please follow that on Twitter because I'm not going to do it in my personal one. I'm going to do it strictly from the podcast page. If you are listening to this episode on Spotify, Castbox, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, wherever else you get it, please let people know about this show, spread it around, like the episode, leave a good review, rate the thing, and um, you know, continue just doing the support that you guys do because you guys, you guys give us a lot of support, and uh, we are so grateful for you guys. So uh, please spread it around, no matter what platform you listen to. I am Chase, like I said. This has been 312. Next week, 313. Birds of prey. See you guys next week. Have a good night, good day, whenever you're listening to this, and uh, peace out. Goodbye.